Infirmary Media. Warning, the following program features content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Bocephus Broadcast. Greetings, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 69 of the Bocephus Broadcast. Glad to be back in the basement with you for another week of shenanigans across the World Wide Web. What a week it has been. Friday night, uh, Emily and I were very, very lucky, very fortunate uh, to be invited as guests to the, I think it's I think it's still called the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. I don't know if it's Verizon Wireless Amphitheater now or what. Uh, it changes names like every quarter, so I'm not entirely sure. But the amphitheater in Maryland Heights, Missouri, which is essentially St. Louis. And it all just kind of fell into place, I guess, right place, uh, right time. I, I've been a big fan of Brent Cobb and his music for the last several months, and I reached out to see if I could maybe get an interview with Brent and it was kind of back and forth, back and forth, trying to get everything lined up um, because, you know, touring musicians have incredibly hectic schedules, so it's not always easy. Well, it turns out, you know, I did some research and I said, hey, I know Brent's going to be in St. Louis. I'd love to try to make the show. And, uh, you know, I wasn't even like fishing to, you know, say, oh, maybe you could maybe you could have me backstage and we could hang out and stuff like that. That wasn't even uh, the goal. I just wanted to go to go because Brent was opening up for Marty Stewart and Chris Stapleton, which... That's a hell of a bill. That's a great lineup. And I wanted to check it out. Uh, But anyway, I got in touch with uh, Brent's publicist, and then he put me in touch with Brent's tour manager. And they said, uh, Brent's tour manager is named Tyler. And Tyler emails me and he said, you know, do you want to just come down to the show and do the interview in person? And I I thought, well, yeah, absolutely. So um, it was like a a week before the show was to take place. So like, yeah, we'll, we'll send you some tickets, set you up at will call. You just come in and um, you know, get the tickets, we'll get you seated. You can come backstage, hang out after Brent's set, uh, do the interview and, and, you know, we'll take care of you. And they did, man. We, um, left early Friday afternoon, made it down there around, uh, I want to say like six o'clock of course, you know, hotter than Hades out because it's the Midwest and we're in peak, uh, swamp ass season here. So I'm carrying in this, this red bag full of cables and recording equipment and stuff like that. And then I got my recorder on the other hand. So I, it's like when I go through airport security, I know that I'm not carrying anything illegal, but I'm terrified that they're going to stop me and, you know, they're going to give me a cavity search and they won't stop till they reach the back of my teeth. And it'll be all for naught because I'm a very docile person. I don't even know how to, you know, make explosives or anything like that. I can barely, uh, you know, like hang a shelf on the wall. So that kind of uh, knowledge is beyond me. But anyway, I was terrified. So I go through and they're like, ah, you can't get through with this stuff. And I said, well, I was you know, told that it was okay. And they're like, well, you need to go over this white tent. So I go over to the white tent. Nobody knows what's going on over there either, but eventually we get things all squared away. And I'm, you know, walking around with this bag and the recorder and everything. People are kind of staring at me. We've got these VIP passes, which automatically makes you feel like royalty, you know? So we get there and we get our seats. The seats are great. They're in the, you know, seated section, which because I'm a 29 year old senior citizen, I really appreciate the fact that I can sit down in a nice, comfortable padded seat when I go watch a concert. But yeah, so we do that. Brent Cobb comes on. He kicks ass just like I you know, expected he would. And then we go uh, meet up with them at the, the merch tent. And then we go backstage and uh, they give me a Coors Light. You know, we're sitting on these nice leather couches and everything. And uh, man, just what a totally cool experience that I mean, Friday was the moment for me that I felt like, well, you know, I started this podcast just kind of for a hobby and kind of to have fun. And it's gotten me uh, to this point, which is strangely more than I can say for my tenure in radio. 
I got some cool perks and I inter- you know, I interviewed some really cool people while I was in radio, but I never got that whole backstage uh pass ticket thing to, you know, conduct interviews and stuff like this. So I it's it's really like um it's really reassuring that what I'm doing here just for fun is uh it's paying off in some capacity. So it's very cool. Um man, I I felt like and I'm sure Emily, I think Emily did too. I, it, we just felt like uh you know, we felt like royalty almost. It was, we felt like big deals. So, you know, the backstage passes, the great seats, just a fantastic show all around. And actually, while I was backstage getting ready to do the interview, I opened a beer for Marty Stewart's guitar player who was wearing uh, one of the most fantastic nudie suits that I have ever seen. And if I had more money, I would definitely own several of those. But yeah, in uh, just a few weeks, you're going to hear that interview with Brent Cobb. I hope to God that it turned out because I used this new recorder that I bought uh, like when I found out I was going to do this interview. I was like, I need a, a more portable solution to recording on-site interviews. So I got this thing and hopefully uh, the interview saved and everything. Otherwise, I'm going to feel like really terrible. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about the whole experience uh, during that episode. But man, I, uh, I don't know if he's listening or not, but uh, Brent and Tyler... Friends, tour manager, thank you so much for your just hospitality and and uh, taking good care of us. It was it was super awesome. Now, of course, we left in the midst of a huge scandal here on Oak Street, just outside the Bocephus Broadcast Studios on Wednesday afternoon, around five thirty in the evening. I had just gotten home from work and I came downstairs. I was doing an interview down here uh, for another upcoming episode. Emily sent me a Snapchat in the middle of this interview, and usually she doesn't do that. She's usually, you know, very respectful of of me, I guess, if you want to call it working down here. Um, but she sent me this Snapchat, and it was, you know, she was pointing her camera phone, her phone on her camera, whatever. She was she was taping through the front window this white GMC extended cab pickup truck that was parked out in front of our house, and the passenger door was open, and there was this lady like hunkered down. Uh, just behind the door and I really kind of you know I didn't know what was going on so I got done with the interview I went upstairs and she goes did you get my snapchat and I said yeah but I wasn't really sure what was going on I just kind of glanced at it and she said well while you were downstairs this white pickup truck pulled up out front and opened the door and this girl got out and she started peeing in the street it's a through street it's a fairly busy street uh it's also broad daylight so somebody you know uh, out of place in this neighborhood that's going to stop and take a whiz in broad daylight in public on a, a busy through street. You know, it's a little out of the ordinary. We don't have that happen every day. Of course, I'm a man and I pee outside off of the deck sometimes at night, but I make sure that nobody can see. It's a totally different ball game when you do this outside in broad daylight, obviously. So Emily saw this all happen. I didn't really see it, but I've been updating on Facebook and Instagram and a little bit on Twitter as well um, over the last week about the Oak Street Pisser, the P-Watch of 2018. And I'm doing this just because it's funny, all right? If, if you know me, obviously, if you listen to this podcast, if you know me personally, I don't take life too seriously. And when something like this falls into my lap, I'm going to take it and run with it. And uh, it's, it's proven to be fairly successful. There's a lot of people uh, that are following this saga on Facebook and Instagram and, like I said, uh, partially Twitter. It's entertaining, and I do it because it's funny, and I do it because it's, you know, it's entertaining to me at the end of the day but everybody else seems to be taking to it fairly well but 
as with anything, especially as it pertains to social media, there are always, for lack of a better term, there's a handful of folks who have got to uh, piss in the Cheerios. You know, there's a handful of people that keep commenting, you know, you can have it towed, right? So you don't have to see it ever again. And then there are some people that are like, well, what if the truck just broke down and they can't like afford to fix it? Uh, To begin with, she didn't have to pee in front of our house in the street. There's a CVS literally less than a block to the east. There's a gas station literally less than a block to the west. So the fact that they couldn't make it to either one and she just had to cop a squat right in the middle of the road, that to me is, you know, that justifies being able to make fun of these people. So, you know, we got all these people that are just being uh, critical thinkers and, you know, doing doing that kind of thing. Listen, like I said, if you don't know me, I don't take life very seriously. And when something like this is going to happen, I'm going to take it and run with it because I can and I want to. Just, you know, I don't know why people have to make, I mean, obviously I'm making a big deal out of this thing, but it's a big deal for the sake of humor and people are just trying to justify being, uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to do. But for God's sake, people, it's just having a little fun, okay? Gee, dang it. Let's not be so serious about it, for the love of God. Regardless, the truck, as of this recording, it is uh, Sunday at 3 o'clock. Truck is still there. A tow truck has come by, um, but it left shortly thereafter, so I don't know what the deal is. There are tickets on the windshield now. Um, I don't know. It's just all odd, because Emily said the, the, you know, the girl peed, and then the guy that was driving the truck, they got out, and then they both went separate ways. Like, they pulled a journey. So she went uh, to the east and he went to the west, but evidently he was like uh, walking through different yards and walking between houses and stuff like that. And like, we've never seen this truck. We've never seen these people before. So it's, you know, it's cause for some alarm. And people are like, did you, did you call the cops? Yes. After 24 hours, we called the non-emergency and we said, hey, just so you know, there's a truck parked out here. It's been abandoned. The girl that got out of it took a whiz on the street. Just FYI. And so while I was down here recording the other night, evidently, evidently only stuff happens when I'm down here recording stuff and I'm not there. But the cops, you know, did show up and I guess took a statement or whatever. Um, like I said, there are tickets on the windshield. The tow truck has come by, but nothing has you know, changed yet. But evidently somebody stopped by in a Dodge Caravan the other day and got in the truck, I guess. Again, I missed that, you know, as luck would have it. So I don't know. It's just uh, it's it's a it's a weird thing, but we're having fun with it while we can. And um, I'm not going to stop just because a couple of people are being turds about it. I take everything so seriously anymore. But I will say uh, the Oak Street Pisser fiasco, P Watch 2018, has inspired me to make new music. I have not made any new music for a while. As a matter of fact, it was sometime around Thanksgiving when I released a song called Gravy which, of course, was a parody of Sticks Lady uh, about my favorite liquid side dish. I think it uh, critically went over like a lead balloon, but it was fun to make. Uh, but but this, the whole Oak Street Pisser thing, the whole saga that's unfolded over the last week has um, really gotten to me. So I made some new music about it. And I'm going to premiere it for you right now. Here is a Bocephus broadcast exclusive, my new song, The Oak Street Pisser Struck Today. Exclusive world premiere. Gonna dig this. They parked the truck in broad daylight. They're on a through street in plain sight. But before they said goodbye, 
She dropped her shorts below her thighs There by rusty GMC For God and everyone to see She put a slight bend in her knees And against the curb she propped her feet Just what was running through her head Is this what she had planned to do? I guess it really ain't that bad It could have been a number two She perched herself some kind of way Accomplice checking all his mirrors When he gave the all clear for her too She soaked the pavement through and through She pissed on Oak Street today Just barely hidden by the door Don't let the children out to play The Oak Street pisser strong today You know, we could see her through the living room blinds. We all wondered if she could. She just kept pissing for quite some time before they fled the neighborhood. She pissed on Oak Street today Next to a rusty four by four And then they went their separate ways The Oak Street pisses strong today There you go. That's new music for you, inspired, uh, like I said, by the whole uh, Oak Street Pisser saga that's unfolded over the last week. You can also find, uh, I'm going to try to put a lyric video out. That, uh, As a matter of fact, probably by the time that this is out, the uh, lyric video thing will be done. So uh, check the Facebook page. Check the facebook.com slash broadcast, uh, Twitter and Instagram at BoBCraft. I'll try to put it up on there if you want to uh, listen to it anytime or check it out, anything like that. On the subject of music inspired by different things, though, my guest this week is Dave Paulson, who caught my attention when I was uh, scrolling through my newsfeed and I saw an article from a, a regional radio station that said there's a guy that had created a concept record based on the movie Tommy Boy, which is, of course, the classic starring Brian Dennehy, Bo Derek, uh, and of course, David Spade and obviously Chris Farley. So this kind of caught my attention. I did some digging and uh, as luck would have it, I got in touch with Mr. Dave Paulson. He agreed to be a guest on the show. This here's the interesting thing. This is how small the world is, folks. And this happened on Friday at the show in St. Louis, too. And I'll tell you about that uh, during the Brent Cobb episode. So I continue to find myself in these Kevin Bacon situations in which 
Um, I find that I am, you know, certain degrees of separation with the people that I have as guests on this show. And it's just a web that continues to weave itself in and out uh, constantly. So a couple of my childhood friends were the Blummy Twins, Bryce and Grant. I grew up with them in Memphis. Uh, you know, we used to buck bales in the summer and everything like that. So Bryce and Grant have an older sister named Amy. And Amy sent me a message after I did the interview with Hayes Carl because she's a fan. And uh, I think she said that he was like on a flight with her, I believe. And she recognized him. She messaged me. Um, so Amy did some digging through my Instagram or one of the social media channels. She found out that was going to interview Dave Paulson. So come to find out, Amy is dating the guitar player in Dave's 90s cover band, which is called My So-Called Band. So I read that and my mind was immediately like. <laughs> so like, you know, it's a cliche thing to say, but what a tiny tiny world in which we live folks is some wild stuff so it's going to be really interesting to see uh you know how many more degrees of separation i am to, to certain guests as this show continues to roll on um yeah crazy crazy stuff regardless up next dave paulson and i are going to chat about that new record titled sandusky ohio we're going to learn what inspired him to make a uh, record not only about a movie but specifically tommy boy that chat's up next here on the Bocephus Broadcast. The Bocephus Broadcast. This year, choose Kingsford Charcoal Briquettes for unmatched quality and impeccable flavor that'll have the whole neighborhood talking and flocking. Here's what Kingsford users are saying about Kingsford Charcoal Briquettes' Easy Light Bag. Worked great after Hurricane Irma knocked out power. It's convenient, but not my favorite option. Save your money. Well, it worked okay, but it wasn't clear from the instructions how to open the flap properly. Grilling season kicks off with Kingsford. We now return to the Bocephus Broadcast. My guest today is a reporter by trade, but lately he finds himself the subject of the headlines with his recent release of a concept album based on the 95 Chris Farley David Spade classic, Tommy Boy. The album is uh, appropriately titled Sandusky, Ohio. Joining us now, it's creator Dave Paulson. Appreciate you being here. Hey, Bo, it's a pleasure to be here. And yeah, the, I'm taking over the headlines. I'm sure the, the world is just sick of me. <laughs> everywhere you look, everywhere you turn, it's all about this we album. Have just, we're just uh, Dave Paulson exhausted already, and it's only been a couple I weeks. I know. I <laughs> it seems like, uh, yeah, it seems like, like it's usually the other way around in that, you know, a concept album will spawn a subsequent film, but you have obviously taking the opposite approach here. So why, why Tommy boy? What, what did you, what brought you to the decision to make your record based on this movie? Yeah, well, I, it's, it's always been a favorite. I saw it in the theater when I was 12 and, um, oh, someone's at the door. I'm not going to answer that. Sorry. Should I do a pickup from there? <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's just whatever you want to do, man. Is, is this all going to be the podcast and it'll be really awkward and that's fine okay i think here, here. i kind of want to leave it in i think that's uh that's a nice little nice little knack to add in there we're setting the scene i'm i'm at home my, my three-month-old daughter is is uh, sleeping in the other room anyway so when i was 12 i went to see um tommy boy in the theater and uh i don't think i've ever laughed harder than i did um 
for those 90 minutes with my friend. We were actually supposed to go see a goofy movie. My parents were pretty strict and, you know, they're, they're great, but they would, um, they would basically pretty strict as far as like, when you're 13, you can go see PG 13 movies and that sort of thing. So, you know, my mom dropped us off and it was like, we got to the, you know, the box office and the a goofy movie was sold out. And so it was like, well, we don't have cell phones. It's 1995. Uh, we can hang out in the lobby <laughs> for two hours or what else is playing? Oh, Tommy boy, let's go see it. And so, you know, I, uh, I laughed so hard for those 90 minutes. And I think part of it was also that I was getting away with something, but it was sort of like a coming of age. Like, you know, when you discover an album, when you're 12, that's probably going to be one of your favorite albums and sort of the same way with movies. So that is part of it. And then I was sort of just looking for a story to adapt songs to, because I was tired of trying to write songs about myself and doing that for 20 years and just was ready for something new. And, uh, the idea of adapting a story kind of like, well, I don't want that. I don't want to be pretentious or come off like really self-serious and like I am adapting. I, I don't know what the Odyssey or what have you. So I was like, well, what's, what's sure, the opposite yeah. direction of that? How can I diffuse that? <laughs> and I was like, well, how about like a totally unlikely, why the hell would anyone make an album out of this <laughs> idea? And that's kind of how I quickly landed on, on Tommy boy. Well, I wanted to ask you, and you, you kind of touched on it a little bit, or at least led into it. I mean, what goes into creating a record like this? Did you find it, like, did you find it easier or like more difficult to write songs that are are based on something that was, you know, in essence, like already created, like the blueprint was already there? Was that easier or harder to to kind of uh, pay tribute to that, to pay homage to that? It was so easy. It was it was so liberating and just inspiring, and I found that like. I work well under constraints anyway, or limitations. You just say like, you know, if you say, I think a lot of people do, if you say like, you can only, you're going to make a song, we can only use these three instruments and you have to use these words like a Mad Lib or whatever. Like most people I think will thrive in this, under those circumstances. And, and that was the case for me. Like when you have limitless possibility and you're just like going to write a song, you're like, what in my life in the universe do I want to say right now? I can say anything. It, it, it can be crippling, you know? So immediately, like, it was just, like, off to the races. Um, and the first song that I came up with, and I, I know we'll de- delve in deeper, but I first started thinking about uh, track three, which is My Old Man, which is about Tommy losing his father at his wedding. And once I sort of had that in place, I was like, okay, I think this idea will work as far as, like, a sincere, heartfelt album about this, this comedy. So, like when you when you listen to the record, you mentioned that you started off with the the death of his father, which is kind of you know uh, later in the first quarter of the movie, sort of. So yeah. the track list then is that is it in sequence? Like, would it flow together while you're watching the movie, or is it just kind of um, just kind of put on there and and you kind of decipher what's going on at what point? Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely in sequence of the of the story. Um, if you go on our website, which I guess I'll plug now. <laughs> we're gonna wait, yeah, absolutely. Wait later, go for it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's saying that's E-O-H dot C-O um, is the website. And we made sure to like have all the lyrics at, on there. And each each lyric is prefaced with like a breakdown of like what point in the story it's supposed to be uh, reflecting. And so, yeah, it, it, it's sequential. Like the opening track obviously is uh, Sandusky is setting the scene for, for the whole thing to follow. And um, yeah, so that, that was always the idea. And then that, that, that sort of helped me figure out which songs I was going to, like, as far as music-wise. Because all the lyrics were adapted to, like, kind of previously written music that I'd had lying around. Um, and that helped me, like, decide which songs I was going to use and for what moments. Because, like, how, how will this flow musically, too, in addition to the story? 
So, I mean, the I, I don't know if this is you know intentional or not, but the the songs of the album they sound like they would have been right at home if they were you know to have been released in that time period. Like, um, I hear a lot of Ben Folds influence, and that, that may be off base, but that's you know when I listen, kind of what I hear. Um, yeah. So was that what what was part of your idea for the record? Did you want sort of a '90s sound, or did you want to just make a modern day record that was paying tribute to a '90s property? No, I think I think it's 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 it wasn't intentional, but but it can't help but happen. I mean, I I love Ben Folds, and actually, um, it's funny that he keeps coming up, and, and you're not the first person to compare it to Ben Folds. Um, but his longtime drummer, who's a good friend of mine, Sam Smith, played drums on the album and also designed the cover. I've known no Sam kidding before. Yeah, I, I've known Sam since before he played drums for for Ben, like since high school. Mm-hmm. But Ben is based in Nashville, I think, still, and eventually, like. Sam started touring with them and playing with them. So it's just a weird coincidence there. But um, but all this to say, um, the 90s thing wasn't intentional, but it couldn't help it turn out that way. Because as I mentioned, I was 12 in 95 when I saw the movie. And it's also the same time that I am shaping my musical taste. And so I definitely came up with stuff in the mid-90s, kind of when alternatives started to turn a little bit more pop. Um, mm-hmm. Think about like Pinkerton and... And when Ben Folds came in and, and got some play on 120 Minutes and MTV and stuff like that. So so it wasn't intentional, but obviously if like if I'm coming of age in that time, there's definitely going to be parts of that in the sound. And uh, yeah, sure. yeah, I, mean, I, I, I wasn't thinking specifically 90s, but it was like I was thinking like this just needs to be like an all around like rock pop album in a classic sense. There's not there's not much that really would. You could say it was from the '90s. I think mostly, and, and there's not like a sound in there where you're like, "Well, you know, why is <laughs> why is there a dubstep bass drop in here?" <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> you know. It's, it's, but 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 I totally get what you mean. Um, and uh, you know, I think I think the piano and uh, there's certainly some musical touches where I'm, I was thinking like, "What works for this this movie?" You know, and and mm-hmm. and what I see and what the, the scenes that I picture, that sort of thing. You mentioned kind of the personnel that played on the record. You are actually in a band called My So-Called Band, which which is obviously another 90s nod. Um, yes. <laughs> did, did you have the same personnel on this record, or was that, did you bring in different session players? How did that work? Like, who, who played on the record, and how'd you, uh, how'd you recruit them, I guess? Sure, sure. Well, Sam, again, is, 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 plays in that band, too, uh, the cover band. Um, and beyond that, um, everything else in the record was mostly played by either me or my co-producer, uh, Jordan Lenning. Um, we traded off on bass and guitar, piano, all the synth stuff. And then we had um, a friend of mine who also plays in the 90s cover band. I'm sort of realizing, yeah, they, they all are in the band. There's ultimately a team of, of five people, including me, um, drummer, co-producer, and then two string players, one of which arranged the strings on one mm-hmm. song. And there's only strings on one song. Um, and that was, that was the whole thing. We just sort of overdubbed everything ourselves and put it together that way. So it's, I mean, it was a small, I don't want to call it a small project, but not a lot of hands on deck. And I mean that in a good way, but the production on this record is incredible. The sound is just, it's crisp. Um, you know, it, it just sounds great. So did you, you're a Nashville guy. So did you record this in Nashville? Was it recorded elsewhere or? Yes, no, it was in Nashville. Um, and that, that, that's all really a credit to, um, to Jordan Lenning, my producer, who's also a songwriter and musician, um, but doesn't tour. He, he, he makes his living as an engineer and producer. Um, and you can check out his stuff on Spotify. I think I think anyone who really liked liked this album would really dig his stuff. Just a lot of the, a similar sound and vibe, and 
And kind of the whole ball for me making an album that sounded like this, even before Tommy Boy, was me hearing his stuff and saying, I want to work with, with this dude. Like, we can make something yeah. really special together. He's actually the other guy that sings on uh, track four, Don't Let It Get You Down. He, like, takes over for a verse. And then, uh, and he also does all the background vocals on the entire record because I'm not good at <laughs> background vocals. <laughs> <laughs> The interesting thing about some of these songs is you in some of these you can tell from what perspective they're written. Like Golden Child is obviously from the viewpoint of Richard, who is David Spade's character in the movie. So yeah. uh, what other songs were they written from a specific viewpoint or just kind of from like a narrative, like a narrator's viewpoint of, of the, the film? Yeah, they're all either from Tommy or Richard and, and often um, both in the same song. Um, and and but, but mostly Tommy. And I decided early on, like we weren't even going to get into like, um, the Bo Derek Rob Lowe villain angle of this, like, <laughs> I, I, you know, it was never even my favorite part of the movie. Like, you you don't have to have them in there. You can still just make this about two dudes learning to get along and saving this company without having like these two evil people sabotaging the whole thing. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like, Tommy's dad died on his own. Like, it's not like they played a part in that. And it, right. anyway, all this to say, no one really likes <laughs> the, the villain songs. No one's no one's putting the, the Ursula song from Little Mermaid on repeat, I feel like, or <laughs> be prepared for the Lion King, you know? So, so, so I skipped that. So it's all, it's all um, one or the other. And I feel like, yeah, every, every single song is, is definitely tied to a scene or at least a moment in the movie or several scenes in the story. So overall, I mean, have you done this before? Like, even if it's just like in the living room or with friends or on a bonfire, I mean, have you tackled, songs or projects that that pay tribute to some sort of cultural uh phenomenon thing like some sort of cult following thing like this like tommy boy not really no um everything else i've done has just been like my own like quirky bizarre uh autobiographical indie rock music for like the last 20 years um and then you know i've done some like funny songs for friends podcasts and stuff like that but I never really tapped into anything except for like, you know, mining the entire pop culture of the nineties for our cover band that we've had together for a decade now. <laughs> you're, you're a reporter by trade. You work for the Tennessee and you uh, contribute to USA today as well. So I mentioned this kind of in the intro. Is it interesting to find yourself the one whose music is being covered for a change? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's very bizarre. Um, doing interviews. <laughs> it feels about the same. Uh, but you know, it, it uh, I, I think it's an experience that I, I wish every reporter could be could 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 have in this way, um, because because yeah, you, you finally do see it from the other side, and, and um, it's it's it, but it, it, it's always bizarre, and it's it's always been bizarre to try to balance being a musician with a guy who is expected to like evaluate others' music. It, it, yeah. It's never a comfortable relationship, but it's you know it, in natural at least it's like everybody makes music, and a lot of them have unrelated gigs as well and it's just sort of a fact of life so so i've gotten used to it over the years yeah did that play a role in in you making the album did you were i mean in a lot of cases people are their own worst critics did you find that holding up your process at all while you're making this record or any of your music for that matter i i i think i always have um and i think but i think like making this about tommy boy let let the pressure off me too. Like part of the goal was always to let the pressure off listeners and the an audience, yeah. potential audience, and that they go, oh, I know what this is about. Let's check it out. Like I'm on a level playing field with you. I'm not intimidated. Let's see what this this crazy idea is all about. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that works that way for me too. Where it's like, dude, it's just a tongue boy out. Don't 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 sweat. You know, <laughs> make it <laughs> really make it really. It. Yeah, yeah, make it really good. But like, 
yeah, it's just about Tommy Boy, you know? Whereas, like, it's about, like, you trying to express, like, your truth. I mean, that's just a ton of pressure <laughs> in a lot of ways. Right. So, so right. more, more, and I, so, yeah, I've always sort of held my work up to the microscope like that. Um, but this project, more than any other, sort of let me let go of that because it's a ridiculous idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it works, and it works really well. Is Was there any, um, scenes that you tried to, to formulate a song around and they just didn't quite pan out, like any difficulties that you had in the whole process of kind of transcribing this film to an, uh, a record? No, I kind of just took them and, and went. <laughs> the only struggles were at, at first, like deciding, like, you know, um, yeah, it, 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 how much of the story I wanted to expand on. And pretty quickly, that's where I realized, you know, basically it's going to be, it's really going to be, eight songs and an instrumental and we're going to get it and out like you could very easily also make this like a 20 song you know full yeah. scope rock opera musical and you know mm-hmm. I, i'm not ruling that out down the road like making a deluxe edition where i fill in some <laughs> gaps and do stuff like that but like you know um th- th- that was the biggest part of the process was just going you know what this can be a 25 minute album that, that makes sense for what this is let's just pack it densely full of stuff and and see what happens. But yeah, it, it's funny. Like pretty much once I set the outline, it was pretty easy for me to go, okay, this is it. And it also helps that all the songs musically were pretty much written. And I had to like, look back at like a few dozen songs that I'd written that I'd never found a way to put lyrics to and go, okay, these are the right ones for the project. And I could sort of plug and play. Yeah. That's definitely handy for sure. So I, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's not a whole lot of legal uh, loopholes or ramifications that you had to do in order to make this record. I mean, it, it, is this something you know, when you make a, a tribute to a film or something, is it something that you have to get a lot of, is there a lot of red tape, like legally, you know, copyrights, trademarks, infringement, that kind of stuff? <laughs> you know, I think we'll find out. Um, but but uh, my, my approach has been, and I, and I did go to school. I've been I mean, like, I, I, I had a minor in mass communications, but I also, my major at Middle Tennessee State University was in the recording industry. We had to take a copyright law class, which I was fascinated by. And like that, absorbed that like no other class really in college. So I had a pretty good grasp on it. And, you know, um, so, you know, obviously what I, what I keep coming back to is if Weird Al can make Yoda, we can make this yeah, album. Right, you know, right. I mean, if, if uh, it, 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 it falls under parody, I feel like, and we also don't use, I've always, I've made sure not to use Tommy Boy anywhere in the titling or the mm-hmm. lyrics or chris farley's name or you know like good point we've been very t- try to be very tasteful about how we promote it and not just be shameless and be like if you like this movie you'll love this give us money you know <laughs> it's, it's supposed to right. be more of an organic thing of like hey i love this movie this is what i did i hope you like it you know so so that's why you know it really and, and it kind of worked out because as a songwriter that's kind of how i wanted to approach it too there's very few like super literal like Tommy Boy the musical like come on gotta save Callahan and say it, sell some break bad you know it's like if you know if you know what it, what it is and, and we give that you that little preface before the track like this is the part of the story this is about it's then just about okay what are these characters thinking and feeling um and so so yeah I think I think we're in the clear we've reached out to like the director on Twitter people keep tagging David Spade <laughs> on Twitter yeah he has not responded I'm pretty certain he knows about it because I, I, I've just been curious and looked at like, well, how active is he? He doesn't tweet much, but is he liking things? And he's liking things about every three hours. <laughs> Whenever someone says something good about <laughs> Joe Dirt. So it's like, he's, he's seen this and he's, you know, and I totally get it. I totally get it. I don't expect anyone involved to, to like help promote it or anything, but um, I'm hoping at least we'll hear back from the director 
and it's not a cease and desist. It's like a, oh, you guys are crazy. <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that was that was one of the questions I was going to ask if you'd had any you know involvement from people that worked on the film. But it, it, the the curiosity of the legalities was just that it was curiosity. Um, but I think yeah. I I don't know why you wouldn't be in the clear. It's more of a nod than it is blatant uh, you know capitalization on a popular. Uh, entity. So, so if you get a lawsuit on your hand, I think you're, I think you're going to walk out of the courtroom with that one as a win under your belt. If, if uh, yeah. push comes to shove, there for some ridiculous <laughs> reason. Yeah, I, I hope so. And if not, it's like I don't have much to lose. You know, uh, <laughs> right, right. You're taking a gamble, a good gamble. Exactly. You know, you, or the other option is I just don't put this album out, and then what? You know, I mean, I, I, yeah. So, so that's kind of how how I've approached it, and so far, so good. Yeah. So you mentioned you you haven't had a lot of response from any of the uh, you know like personnel um, from the movie or anything like that. But critically, uh, your peers, the media, the response seems to be really good. What is I mean? What have you noticed about the response to the album thus far? Uh, it's been it's been it's been wonderful. I, I you know I have really liked the 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 handful of write ups we've gotten. Um, mm-hmm. But even more than that, I've really appreciated it and was surprised by. Um, just random people who find it either on Facebook or on Reddit or YouTube mm-hmm. or, or, or saw one of those pieces um, and find me on Twitter. Like it's not super easy, not super simple to find me like, but they, they, they seek me out and say, Hey, I really dug it and just want to let you know. And, and more, I, I, I'm often hearing about the emotion involved in it. And that's, that's really nice to hear. I mean, and it's, that was intentional, you know? Um, like, but you know, I, I, I hope that people will be surprised by the concept and then said, and, and, and then we're, sorry, no, they were curious about the concept and then we're surprised by the emotion that was in it. And yeah, I've heard a right. lot from people. One guy told me he was crying a minute in. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was kind of going for that. I mean, like the, the whole idea was it, it shouldn't work. You, you hear about it and you're like, mm-hmm. this is a joke. And then, and then I, I was definitely inspired by the idea of like, it's so unlikely that we can actually draw some emotional depth from this. Um, mm-hmm. But what can we do? How much can we build out of this? And I was pretty happy with the results. Um, beyond that, um, I feel like it's, it's easier to get, um, I don't want to call them regular people, but people not in the media, people that aren't tastemakers or involved in the, in the industry at large. It's easier to get just random people that I find online interested in the idea and open to it. And I feel like it's been a little harder sell to pitch uh, professionals on it. And I think it's partially, I mean, and I know this too, like you get, you know, sorts of crazy pitches week to week. I did this crazy thing. Here's how I'm trying to get attention (laughs) for you. You know, and and, and what we have to, the hump we have to get over is like, no, really, can you listen to it? Like, I'm serious about this. And people tell me it's really good. Like, you should really check it out. It's hard to do that when it's you yourself emailing them like, "Uh, it's really good. I promise you. (laughs) So, so it's, <laughs> well, the response has been great, but uh, I, I, yeah, I'm hoping it's just interesting. Like the thing that, that draws some people in seems to be a bit of a hurdle with other folks. Yeah, well, I think you know, there's there's maybe a preconceived notion that the, the film is so adored widely that you know people people I, I I guess wouldn't want you wouldn't want anybody messing with anything. But when you listen to the record, it's it's pleasantly surprising. It's it's. Um, you know, it's nostalgic. There's a, I guess, maybe a longing for for simpler times and better times, just easier times. And you, I think, yeah. you really capture that with this music. Not only in paying tribute to, you know, the movie that, like I said, is just is just adored by so many, but you've created your own entity here, your own thing, and it 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 stands, you know, not only in conjunction with Tommy Boy, but it stands on its own. And it, um, 
you know, I, I, I get the guy crying, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's for some people be kind of an outlandish response to it, but it's, you know, yeah. it's that, um, there's a connection back to a better time, a simpler time for a lot of people. So I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. And, and absolutely. Like I, I've, I've sort of realized how much this movie means to people and how much use to movies in general, uh, means people. And I think, I think maybe these quote unquote, like dumb comedies that we remember all the silly bits from who we've watched dozens of times, um, can end up being like more you make more of a connection with it for some reason than a drama mm-hmm. or whatever. I think it's be it like it's the jokes that you've made for, for years with your friends, friends you grew up with. Like you always quote the movie to each other or what have you. But right. I've just really, I've really been witness to that for the last couple of weeks of people just being like, I love Tommy boy. That's a great film. Like I, I expected a lot more like, Oh yeah, I remember that. That was funny. That was a good movie. Okay. What? <laughs> and I'm getting nothing but like, I love that movie. I love Chris right. Farley. You know, so that's been eye opening. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's a fantastic listen. Like I said, very pleasantly surprising and such a joy to listen to. And uh, my sincere props to you for making this record. Not only that, but for for taking this approach uh, to make an album. Super cool. If uh, if folks want to hear the record, if they want to follow you, where can they where can they go to do that? Okay, so um, we have uh, the website's the best place to find all the other springboards. It's streaming everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. it's Spotify, Apple Music, yada yada. Um, it's also, you can buy it on Bandcamp if you want to throw some money. But if you go to our website, you'll find all this. And that's www.sanduskyoh.co. As I explained right. in the, the, the promo video, .com was just too expensive. I think it has something to do with being <laughs> the name of a, a prominent city. <laughs> that extra letter, is it sometimes can break the bank. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think so. so, so and, and we're on uh, Twitter at Sandusky album if you want to follow me there because folks are following me on my personal account which is awesome but about uh, a few more days I'm going back to work at the paper and they're going to get a whole lot of national concert news that <laughs> maybe someone in Washington isn't too stoked about so I'll be I, you know what I'm fine with that though okay I think a lot of my <laughs> no. favorite artists are national big big uh, Jason Isbell fan things like that oh, so yeah, yeah know, man. sign me up for that what who are some of your other influences um uh this this will this will fascinate you the Beatles Paul McCartney. Oh wow! Uh, I've, I've heard so, of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's the most boring <laughs> answer, but but I, I I live and breathe the Beatles. I love them, and they were a huge influence on this record. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of sixty stuff, and then um, yeah, yeah the nineties scruffy uh, power pop slash punk of that era was was super formative with me. Um, like Green Day was the reason I Dookie and Bass cases why I wanted to pick up a guitar and. Yeah, Super Drag and yeah, Super Drag and Weezer and all those like mid to late nineties bands were like my favorites and I had a punk phase for a while. I just saw Descendants here in Nashville a few weeks ago and that was oh, amazing. Yeah? yeah, it was great. I'd never seen them before. It was awesome to finally see them. And uh yeah, so it's it's all over the place. And I also like, you know, I love hip hop and electronic music and pretty much a little bit of everything, but at the end of the day it all, it all kind of falls into the pop banner for me. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, Dave Paulson, the record is uh, Sandusky, Ohio. Again, it's based on the movie Tommy Boy. Don't have to tell you that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> thanks so much for your time today, man. And and thanks for thanks for making this record. It's awesome. Oh, I really appreciate and appreciate you reaching out. The Bo Cephas Broadcast. For three years now, while you've been tapping kegs, I've been working towards it. Once again, Buick is raising the banner for quality in America. Introducing the 1992 LeSabre. 
with a higher level of power, safety, security, and convenience. This new Sabre is going to be one tough act to follow. LeSabre for 1992 from Buick. You're listening to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. One man's factory is my family. All right, boys and girls and dirty perverts, that is going to do it for episode 69 of the Bocephus broadcast. Thank you again to my guest, Dave Paulson. Check out the record Sandusky, Ohio, available now wherever you get your uh, music these days, the modern digital technology age. As always, take a moment to leave a review on the show. If you like what you're hearing, no matter what platform on which you are listening, take a moment. That, uh, that review does a lot of good stuff in helping the show get bigger and uh, be discovered by new audiences. All right, so do me a solid. Do me a kindness, would you? You can also follow along on Facebook at facebook.com slash Broadcast. Head over there, give us a like. Uh, you know, leave your comments on stuff. I like to engage with you all. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BoBCraft. And as always, if you've got questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, anything of that nature, shoot an email over to BoCephasBroadcast at gmail.com, or you can always call the hotline 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The number is 872 872- 222-8610. Again, the Bocephus Broadcast Hotline, toll-free, 24-7-365-872-222-8610. Of course, the official Bocephus Broadcast t-shirt is available online at Amazon.com for $19.99. Eligible for prime shipping as well. All you got to do is go to Amazon.com and search Bocephus Broadcast. You can get yours in a wide variety of styles, colors, uh, sizes, fits for men, women, children. Uh, and everything in between. Those are actually selling better than I probably ever would have expected. So that's pretty neat. All right. Otherwise, I believe that's going to do it. I'm going to put this podcast together. I'm going to go upstairs and make sure that uh, the Oak Street Pisser saga continues. Hopefully they they haven't, uh, I don't know, do tow truck workers work on Sunday? I guess we'll find out. I'm going to go upstairs and check it out. Otherwise, that is it for episode 69. Come back next week. For another brand new episode, episode 70, closing in on a hundo. We'll see you right back here, same time, same place for episode 70 of the Bocephus broadcast. Have a great week. We'll catch you then. You've been listening to the Bocephus broadcast. Infirmary Media.